Welcome to our latest podcast, and I'm delighted to be joined by Graham McCausland, Chief Executive of the Funeral Planning Authority. As we all know, regulation of our funeral planning industry will formally take effect within the next two years under the direction of the FCA. But in the meantime, we remain guided and directed by the FPA to ensure customers are treated correctly in regards to the sale of funeral plans. As a consequence, Graham and his team have recently introduced a new code of practice which all providers must adhere to, which includes the requirement for all providers to maintain a policy for treating customers fairly, as well as a clear policy towards vulnerable customers. The further requirement of the FPA is that all our sellers of funeral plans must enter into a formal agreement, which frames the correct way of doing business from a customer perspective, and you will be hearing more about this from us over the coming months. This clear orientation towards ensuring our customers are properly looked after applies equally to our selling funeral director partners and to Golden Charter itself. So Graham, a very warm welcome to this podcast. Thanks very much for joining us. Can I start please by asking you to explain what went into developing the updated rules and code of practice. What were the most important aims from your perspective? Thank you, Malcolm. Uh, it's good to be here, even if the circumstances we find ourselves in are, are somewhat unusual. I think when we, we started looking at the rules and the, the code of practice, our intention was uh, that we made sure that we updated them with a, a focus on making things better for customers and in particular vulnerable customers. We were also focused, I guess, on trying as much as possible to ensure that customers were protected if things changed or went wrong. And so this resulted in a number of requirements for providers in terms of explaining their agreements and uh, arrangements, sorry, for funerals in, in greater detail and, and putting in place things like requirements to allocate plans. So it was all, it was all about trying to make it more secure for customers. Thank you. Yeah, I get that. Um, so why is it that we need a formal agreement then between provider and funeral directors? Why is that now necessary? The way we see it is it's a, a key part of the, if you want, the customer delivery chain. So if, if there's nothing that exists, there's a gap between what the customer bought and what might be delivered. And sometimes that gap might just emerge by mistake. So it doesn't need anyone to be doing anything deliberately wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think there's been a lot of focus on intermediaries in this market and indeed some poor behaviour by intermediaries. And we've made, made it very clear publicly and privately and indeed now in our code that the provider is responsible for the behaviour of intermediaries. Now, you know, funeral directors are, of course, different from third-party intermediaries, but they still, in terms of a funeral plan, sit between the customer and the plan provider. Yeah, And therefore, the plan provider clearly is responsibility for the behaviour of funeral directors selling and enacting their plans. Yeah. So given that, I think we, we, we think there needs to be a contract in place. I think we are very conscious that handled wrongly, that, that may feel like it's providers telling funeral directors what to do. And in a sense, there is an element of it's, it's providers saying our requirements are this. So there is an element of that. But uh, but I hope the sensible plan providers will understand the funeral directors they're working with and also sensible funeral directors will understand the challenges that providers face. One of the things that we did was to enhance our disciplinary powers and plan providers will have to demonstrate that they have that appropriate oversight of the funeral directors they work with. 
to do that without a contract is, well, it's very difficult and probably impossible. The way this market is going, the planning companies will be the regulated entities. They are the people the regulators are going to come after if things go wrong. And therefore, their motivation for you know putting in place requirements is driven by that rather than I'm I'm sure you guys, for example, don't really want to run funeral directors' businesses. I mean, I, I, it's it's not what you're there to do. But if you have a responsibility, uh, and if something goes wrong, the regulator's going to come along and say we're going to fine you, or maybe in FCA land we're going to ban you as an individual director from being part of this market. Then I, I think I would just ask funeral directors to think about that, and then think about how they would deal with that. You know, that's a, if you want, that's an imposed situation that you guys and everyone else is going to have to deal with. Okay. Thank you, Grant. Yeah. And we, we have been giving it a lot of thoughts and we, and we will be coming out to our funeral directors in the next few weeks as to how we're going to help them with this process. Because uh, it's very much in the interest of both of us to get it right as, as we roll this out. Thank you. Well, I, I think, sorry, Malcolm, the other part yeah, I think on. on that is that uh, if it's done right, it should be better for the customer. And, yes. and, and it should be better if something goes wrong because it'll be clearer as to where the responsibility for different things happening lies. Okay, just stepping back a little bit then, um, how do you think the funeral planning industry is doing as a whole? Have you seen efforts from plan providers to examine what we're doing and, and to put the customer first? It's a big question now. Uh, I, I think my feeling is that the industry's professionalised quite a bit over the last few years. And certainly speaking for the FPA registered providers, I think uh, their, their approach to things has, in, in a number of areas, improved. Uh, we're certainly we're certainly getting more information and we're challenging providers better, and that's, I hope, helping a little bit. But we do think things like sales processes are generally better. Uh, maybe control over things like intermediaries are better. I'm sure there are still areas that could be improved. I think there's been a growing maturity around dealing with complaints. And what I mean by that is coming at it from, uh, actually, the customer's got a point here rather than trying to defend the organization. I, I think there's probably more work to be done on some more pessimism about what could go wrong. I mean, in a sense, <laughs> the current situation has tested that in quite a strong way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think that kind of risk management type of approach and really, yeah. really uh, digging down as to what can go wrong. I think we've been happy that firms are still engaging constructively with us, both the firms who are FPE registered, but also a few others who've been seeking registration. And, you know, I think that's good. Clearly, there's still some firms that are outside our regime, and that's that's still continues to be a, a concern. And we continue to give our message of customers don't work with them and funeral directors don't work with them now. You know, that's... That's a fairly blunt message, but uh, I think uh, we've now got a period up probably until FCA regulation comes in where some firms are going to either not seek authorization with FCA or are not going to be able to achieve authorization with FCA. At that point, there'll have to be a transfer or a wind up or something. Yeah. Uh, and, and I guess one of our key concerns is making sure there's enough money there if that happens to not leave customers in a bad place. Uh, so, I mean, my sense is that the market has 
matured. And it's overall, it's 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 in a better place than it was a number of years ago. Thank you. Yeah, and, and my take from that is, as markets mature, then standards do rise, and you know, to your point, a higher level of professionalism is required. And and other industries have gone through this same sort of change. Yeah, get that. Thank you. Um, now, talking of change, uh, the FPA has also gone through a program uh, of modernising. Can you sort of share with us some of the work that you've been doing to refresh the FPA structure and the way it goes about its business? It's quite radically different from what it was a few years ago. <laughs> uh, and certainly when I when I joined, uh, and I, I think it's probably fair to say that anyone that was involved a few years ago wouldn't really recognise the organisation now. Uh, in terms of governance, we have a genuinely independent board. You know, they, they are just completely independent of the industry. In terms of people, pretty much everyone has changed. This is since I joined in, I don't know, start of 2015. Uh, the operation, I think the operation were just much more professional. So we're much more kind of robust and following up points. And, you know, it, it, things like complaints, we are, you know, we're on top of that and we're dealing with firms in a, I hope a professional, but certainly a very robust way in, in terms of trying to uh, and, and trying to support customers. I, th I think the compliance committee, we've got a, a very good compliance committee who are very uh, not easily satisfied when, they, when they're interested on a particular point. And I think that's really important. That's what they, sh that's what they should be doing. I, I feel like actually we've done a decent job moving the, the regulatory environment to a better place. Thank you. Um yeah, and from my perspective, I think the FPA has done a very good job in, in changing, and it does act as, as a very real stepping stone. So thank you. Understand that. Um, a while ago, you referenced the trust. Now, we recently spoke the Golden Charter Trust on this podcast, and with COVID-19, equity values, as we know, around the globe saw sharp falls, and much of the world economy effectively shut down. Now, the trust was quite comforting about the long-term security of plan holder funds, you know, to what extent do you keep an eye on our trust and the other trusts of providers generally in the market? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, we get we get each provider has to submit statistics to us on a quarterly basis, end of each quarter, and for the for the trust based one, that is split down into different asset classes. So we just track that using movement of indices so so when when the, the market fell off the edge at the end end of march we had a, we had a pretty good idea where every one of the providers were in terms of their and what we what we're really kind of focusing on there is the amount of assets per plan because that's a that's an easy measure for us to see whether things are going you know quite badly wrong and i think i think what we saw is uh, in the main clearly people were in have assets in equity markets and they fell but they the the financial resilience I think it was was pretty good and that's largely because most of the portfolios are pretty well diversified and uh, so I it's something we we continue to keep an eye on but uh, I I think we were largely reassured by the you know how well things are held up I think the only other thing I'd I'd say in relation to the current situation is the and it's less about the financials, but it's more about the operational resilience of firms. And I, you know, actually, I think we've been pretty impressed that firms have been able to, uh, you know, keep the businesses going, uh, get working from home, get that working. And you know, I, I think since it all, uh, you know, all really sort of began to become 
very serious. We, we haven't had a complaint about service and operations across any of the providers, which I, I think is very, very good. That's good. I, I think we've been we've been pretty impressed at how firms have been able to respond. Thank you, Graham. Um, so just talking about COVID-19 again, um, one thing that's brought into focus is, of course, refunds. So different plan providers have taken different approaches. If any aspect of the purchase plan can't now be met, which, as we understand, was pretty much the case certainly over the last six, seven weeks, do you see this impacting how refunds might work in the future? So where, where I'm getting that is, do you think there might be stricter rules um, in, in terms of the way providers handle the, this, this sort of the payment mechanism side of it? Uh, I, I think there's a kind of inevitability about that. I, I, I'm not quite clear yet how that will pan out, but I, I think the message we've given on refunds it, and and we've reverted back to treat customers fairly. Have you had any complaints, Grant? I, I think we've had one. We've had a few. Okay. We've had a few inquiries. Yeah. And we've very much encouraged the customer to go back and talk to the plan provider. Yeah. You know, so, I, so they've kind of come to us, I think, in anticipation of that. And one of the things we do with complaints is say you have to complain to the plan provider first because yeah. you have to give. The, you have to give. The provider a chance to deal with it, and uh, so uh, it's it's very much been a uh, we we encourage you to go and speak to the plan provider. We we think they will generally be sensible. That's based on the conversations we've had with the plan providers. We we think yeah. you know you will get a sensible response that will that will treat you reasonably. But if you have that conversation and you don't feel you've been treated reasonably, then come back to us and we will. We will look at it, and we will look at it through our, our treating customers fairly lens. Yeah. Um, look, fi final question, and we've said a few times on this podcast or referenced it's a time of change, and and that word unprecedented has been used almost daily, I think, in media briefings. But COVID nineteen clearly makes all that pretty obvious. So, with that in mind, what do you think the future looks like for funeral planning and for the FPA from your perspective? Yeah, uh, well, I mean, clearly we're in, in the midst of these very strange times and it's kind of difficult to predict from where things go from here. I, I, I guess I hope that once we, we come through this, whatever that means, uh, there'll be a greater recognition of the, the importance of the funeral industry in general and and maybe the, the, the sub-part that the funeral industry, funeral directors and, and planning companies have played in helping families in this situation, yeah, I, I know there's a lot of focus on, uh, you know, the NHS and uh, carers, but I, I, I know from the conversations that we're having that funeral directors are doing a fantastic job in, in helping families and in the most tragic of circumstances. You know, and I, I hope the, the planning companies will, have, as we come through, will have been seen to act very responsibly and, and, I, th I think there will be a greater sense of individual mortality just around people. I, I think people will be thinking much more about that. And, uh, and that, I think, for the funeral planning market, if it's done properly, I think is a, is a genuine opportunity uh, to, to help people in, in, in addressing that. I, I think the converse of that is if, if the behaviour turns poor, then uh, it could kill the market. You know, So I, I, I think there's... there's Opportunity is the wrong word to be using in this context, but I think there's, you know, you can look forward and see actually the, the, the funeral planning market has a 
has a has a future. As for the FPA, uh, I think we'll continue to do what we can to protect customers in a manner that I think reflects the scale and, and challenges of the, the, the market. Assuming Treasury eventually implement their plans, you know, we're going to have to respond to that. I think the most likely response is that the FPA will cease to exist. You know, it, our function will have been taken over by the FCA. So arguing why we should be around is is uh, it's quite a toughie. But I think we live in interesting times and I guess we'll just have to see what happens. Graham, thank you. And, and look, uh, you reminded me at the heart of this is the funeral director. Uh, and I echo your sentiments entirely. I think they've done an absolutely cracking job across the UK as key workers. Um, look, really heartfelt thanks for your time and for taking the trouble to talk us through the FPA and your approach and your perspective. Really is appreciated, Graham. Thank you very much. Thank you, welcome. That's all we have time for on another partnership podcast. You can find out more about the FPA at funeralplanningauthority.co.uk. And if this episode prompts any questions for us, let your local business manager know. I can confirm that we will shortly be communicating the next steps in respect of the agreement and how we intend to share the detail of it with you. So please look out for this as it is important. We know how busy so many of you still are throughout the pandemic and we'll keep an eye on how the situation develops ahead of releasing future episodes. Remember, you can find all of our editions on goldencharter.buzzsprout.com, including the trust episodes we referenced today. Stay safe and I'll talk to you again on the Partnership Podcast.